You're listening to Agile Ideas, the podcast, hosted by Fatima Rabucci. For anyone listening out there not having a good day, please know there is help out there. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Agile Ideas. I'm Fatima, CEO at Agile Management Office, Mental Health Ambassador, and your host. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, talking all things surviving or thriving when it comes to the project management office. There are a lot of things that we need to think about when we are fighting for survival within our project management functions, or whether we are going to evolve the way we work so that we can thrive moving forward. And so countless, countless amount of time has been spent by my by myself and also with my team in and around the project management office space, also known as PMO, PMO for short. And so one of the things that has been a key factor and a key focus area for me over the last few years is around evolution of the project management office. And doing so has been really critical because it's an area that at the moment is being impacted by a number of factors, as it always is. Although the challenges that are affecting the project management office today are not too dissimilar of those challenges earlier, though there are new ones to add to that. One of those, for example, is the incredible rise of Agile. I've seen Agile as a way for organizations to shift the way they currently work to a new way of working and agile coming into the picture is absolutely pushing project management offices to their limits. So it's all about looking at how we can not only survive, but actually thrive. And I want to share some more insights for you today around why, why, where we are today is where we are, what we can do to not only survive, but thrive and some key takeaways for you around not only some approaches, but some techniques to help you in your organization, whether it's yourself running a function or someone in your team, or perhaps it's colleagues of yours. Ultimately, surviving and thriving is something that is relevant to anybody at this point in time, whether we're trying to survive this global pandemic or we're trying to survive other in uh, other situations in our lives. And so I think that some of the skills and tips that I will share today will be relevant to you, regardless of whether or not you are in or around a project management office. But let's get into it. So let's think about, first of all, when, when talking about Um, when when talking about the project management office function, it typically is something that I believe, generally believe is lagging behind delivery. And we did some research in our global white paper series that was launched uh, late last year. And that helped to demonstrate further through the research with academics and practitioners globally that they're actually lagging behind in some instances to a point where they're becoming no longer effective. Now, let me clarify, is that saying that no project management office is effective? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that it's pushing them to become no longer effective. So the objective of today is to help share why there is a lag 
or a disconnect rather and provide some of those techniques and insights into moving forward not only just to survive but also to to thrive thinking about reinvigorating our project management offices to be creative to work alongside delivery as a partner and not to lag behind it so hopefully you enjoy today's episode and get a ton of value so for me personally I started my journey in this world of project management offices many years ago and it was actually really, really early on where I started learning about project management and it was always about being curious, being a problem solver and and trying to be resourceful. And so during my corporate years, I continued to see challenges and problems and it was part of some of the work that I did within a major bank that really pushed me beyond Um, beyond the level of comfort that helped to drive my interest in evolving the project management office into the future. When we think about, when we think about thriving and surviving, whether you choose to survive or thrive is entirely up to you. There is a fundamental difference between thriving and surviving. Surviving means to continue to live or exist while thrive can be defined as to grow or develop well, to prosper or to flourish. And whether you're choosing to survive or thrive, because it is a choice, is entirely up to you. So how do you know if you are living in survival mode? Well, first of all, ask yourself these questions. Are you often choosing the path of least resistance? Are you more reactive than proactive? Are you finding excuses when things go wrong? Are you trying, are you seeing others trying to go around you? Does change scare you? Or perhaps you don't listen to hear, you listen to answer. Are any of these signs familiar to you? When thinking about a thriving PMO or thriving project management office, it's one that proactively demonstrates value and is consistently called on not just to solve problems, but deliver insights and guidance and actively builds relationships, creating advocates as a result. My definition of a thriving PMO is all around doing everything with your customer's best interests in mind. Doing so helps you to take your biggest supporters and and help make them advocates or help them become advocates. For example, one executive we have been working with, or I've been working with now since probably about six years, has become our biggest advocate. And that is because we have always ensured that her best interests are in mind. And so that is something to consider when working with clients and making sure that the outputs that you are delivering are actually going to be benefiting them, not you as the person running the function. So I want you to clearly demonstrate your value proposition so that you not just survive, but you can also thrive. In doing so, we're going to really consider how we can change. But first, we have to understand what are the challenges that have been identified as a result of the 12 months research program that we undertook globally and look at some real examples of how survival versus thriving takes place. To help you understand the differences between survival versus thriving, 
I want to take you to a little story. I want to take you back and introduce you or reintroduce you to Blockbuster. Blockbuster is currently down to one store in Oregon, USA. Blockbuster was an American-based provider of home movie and video game rental services through a video rental shop. At its peak in 2004, that was only 16 years ago, Blockbuster employed over 84,000 people globally, and that included about 58,000 in the United States. And it had over 9,000 stores globally, and more than half of those were in the U.S., they did they did try in part of their evolution journey in trying to change the way they work to keep up with the times they did try dvd by mail and streaming and video on demand and cinema theater etc but customers didn't see their value proposition so today with only one store remaining in the world they just barely surviving Then when we look at the other side of the coin, let's look at Netflix. Netflix Inc. is an American media services provider and production company that's headquartered in Los Gatos, California, that was founded in 1997 by Reed Hastings and Mark Randolph in Scotts Valley, California. In in the year 2000, when Netflix had just about 300,000 subscribers and relied on the U.S. Postal Service for the delivery of their DVDs. They were losing money and afforded to be acquired, sorry, and offered to be acquired by Blockbuster for $50 million. They proposed that Netflix, which should be, which would have been renamed Blockbuster.com, would handle the online business while Blockbuster would take care of the DVDs, making them less dependent on the US Postal Service. That offer was declined. Move forward to 2018, Netflix made over $15 billion in revenue and it has over 150 million subscribers today. Netflix identified a need to evolve the way that we watched movies and took the initiative to make it possible. And they continue to evolve now, launching their own productions as Netflix originals. And they're absolutely smashing it. So when you think about thriving, look at Netflix as a perfect example of that. When we think about project management office and the evolution of that, and we look back at the history of the project office, it originated in the 1800s. And it was used as a way to drive productivity, to support significant number of projects as a form of control, though that led to limited guidelines. Then in the 1930s, it became more about supporting projects. And then in the 1960s, we started seeing the rise of the enterprise project management offices, which was to help align projects to organizational strategy. As a concept of the PMO grew, so did the need to provide standards or best practices. And so since this has occurred, the market has become saturated with literature about that function. Project management has evolved a lot. 
in terms of its history, you can see that from from project management in the 90, early 1900s through to the year 2001, there's been a significant amount of methods, approaches, institutions, practices, developments, and whatnot. The amount of money spent on project management as a profession is in the billions every single year. I've worked in organizations that had budgets of $1 billion for project management per annum. That's per year they had in $1 billion for one company. Just imagine how much other companies of that size are spending, hence why it is worth billions and billions of dollars. So as project delivery methods continue to evolve, they continue to be scrutinized and measured and assessed. And you think about all the post-implementation reviews that are taking place every day around the world. Yet the number of projects failing continues at alarming rates. A study by BIA Canada found that across 50,000 projects, that's up to 70% were failing. But how does this project management evolution and the history of it compare to PMO? When we look at PMO evolution against project management, you can see that as project delivery methods continue to evolve, that the PMO tends to lag. The PMO is generally considered reactive and it lags behind project management evolution in many ways, from innovation to PMO delivery models and techniques. In fact, any sign of PMO evolution has been embedded or referenced within the project management practice. What does that mean? Well, it means as part of the journey of the PMO from the early 1900s through to the 2000s, a lot of the progress around the PMO has always been embedded or aligned to project management. For example, when the project management body of knowledge referenced PMO in 1996, again, it was just a a component of project management. And when we think about PMO and the journey that it's taken since the early 1900s, there really hasn't been that much change. It's just slight change in responsibilities. So I asked this question, could the PMO be a contributing factor to the high failure rates of projects? Now, we don't know this for sure. It hasn't been studied yet. So unlike projects, PMOs are not typically a focus area for executives, as it does not appear to immediately impact a company's profitability. Seldom is the PMO considered in the same in the same views, in the same way that project management is. So in order to really thrive, let's just have a quick recap, uh, sorry, quick review which effectively is a recap of the problems we identified in our white paper research and look at what the challenges that are facing PMOs today. Before we can start talking improvements, we really need to understand what those highest ranked challenges are. And so let's delve into those now. When we think about challenges, as I mentioned earlier, agility, PMOs are being dissolved at record rates. And that is as a result of many things, but one of them is the rise of agile. PMOs themselves are not prepared for agile. When interviewing PMOs as part of our white paper research, they were quite overwhelmed with 
the rise of Agile and also the lack of understanding of the PMO's role. The organizational misalignment is another challenging area. It's about bridging the gaps and looking at the bigger picture of how governance and delivery fit together. But unfortunately for the PMO, there's no logical constant alignment for them within an organization. Despite the perceived need for PMOs, the ambiguous role and often incomplete implementation limit their effectiveness. And so there is a lack of understanding both inside and outside the PMO, where agreement on how the PMO is run and what it delivers or who it is serving, be it the project managers or executives, is often misunderstood. When we think about project management and delivery teams, they typically don't understand the requirement for additional paperwork that comes from the project management office, or they'll argue that it stifles their creativity, or they argue that it's seen as a process police. There's often an assumption that when a project is going wrong, that it needs more governance, more reporting, and more layers of bureaucracy. There is new PMOs established all the time, and they are constantly established for new projects and programs, and every time they are, they're reinventing the wheel time and time again. PMOs in larger organizations are working in isolation from their, their peers, and there's limited external support meaning a recycling of ideas internally. Inefficient PMOs means non-PMO teams are absorbing the effort as a result. And then there's the training or the lack thereof. A lack of training, which I believe is contributing to the negative perceptions of PMO. Think about it. There's seldom any budgets for PMOs. They're often non-existent. Most organizations embed any PMO budgets within projects And even when budget is allocated to a PMO, although seldom happens, it is rarely ever for uplifting capability and training of PMOs. The market needs to to mature and there needs to be more focus on the practicalities and the levels of complexity facing the PMO and less about the definition. When we think about the value proposition, PMOs are often filling gaps in tools and processes as opposed to being responsible for their own transformation. I often can ask teams what their PMO does and they often don't know how to answer that or the answers you get are very different across the team. So in undertaking the research and looking at all of the work that has been done today and the conversations and the clients, it's about how do we take these problems and put them in a place where we can use them to thrive as opposed to just survival. It's about thinking about what are some of the key elements that we can bring into a workplace so that we can thrive. And so I'm going to share with you some of my top recommendations to help you on your journey. And the first one, probably the most important, is understanding your customer. That is listening, listening and listening, being open and regularly requesting feedback and keeping ways to log and monitor that feedback and be sure to follow up with actions. When we understand our customers, there's a significant improvement in compliance. There's a significant improvement in outputs. Often we forget that our customers are the most important thing and those customers are the ones that are going to help advocate for you in the long term. You also may be thinking you want to evolve but don't know where to start. 
I believe that many PMOs get too comfortable and may not want to evolve. Alternatively, you may know that change is necessary, but you might not know where to start. And that's okay. So start by seeking and accepting constructive feedback or see things from your customer's perspective or cre- cre- and, then, and then create a transparent way to address that feedback for them. Creating an online space for feedback, running regular showcases, being part of projects, just invite that dialogue. Measure what matters is another key one. Measuring what matters and looking at where you are today. What level of maturity would you say your PMO is at today? Where are you in terms of being able to understand your current state? How many touch points does your processes have? Who does your processes benefit? How do they fit into the organization's ecosystem? How how can you how can you make sure that what you're delivering is not only benefiting you but is actually benefiting the masses? Applying a situational governance lens. So don't assume what worked before will work again. It's often a complete reset from company to company. You need to think about setting up your PMO with a purpose. That is, don't set up a PMO until you've understood the purpose, documented it and socialized it. And definitely don't establish processes without consulting your customers. Make sure that you invite those customers to co-design solutions with you that work. Good PMOs are not lucky. They are proactive and purposefully co-designing beautiful solutions. Being agnostic of delivery. Governance is not a straight line. There are many assumptions that government that governance is waterfall in nature in nature sorry that governance is waterfall in nature but it simply isn't. PMOs don't need to follow project management methodologies they need to create their own. They need to avoid lagging behind delivery every time they change. They need to develop processes based on good governance that complements doesn't stifle delivery. And then treat every issue as an improvement opportunity. Start with your minimum value proposition. The, the, the minimum value proposition is a great starting point in which value can be delivered continuously without change before additional feedback. Don't worry about service catalogs. Service catalogs may restrict you what, from what you can provide. Rather, define an ecosystem of products and services that work for your customer with your customer. Look for improvement opportunities together. Refocus, redesign, make sure it's relevant and measure its results. Proactively demonstrate value. People are not mind readers. They are often busy. If you don't proactively demonstrate value, then you will be lost and forgotten. So define your value proposition and then find ways to test it. Remember, show, don't tell. So how can PMOs work in closer alignment to delivery and organizational objectives? How can they generate significant value? Well, you need to connect the dots and not think about the PMO as standalone. In an ideal world, it would be a function like HR or finance because projects are temporary and project management is not. So in thinking about Everything that I've shared today, I want to remind you that a thriving project management office is one that proactively demonstrates value 
and is consistently called on not just to solve problems, but deliver insights and guidance and actively build relationships, creating advocates as a result. If you'd like access to our white paper series, please go to www.agilemanagementoffice.com forward slash white paper. Thank you so much for listening. We have some really exciting episodes coming up in the coming weeks where we have got guests from government, from the academia world, and also special guests in entrepreneurship. I'm looking forward to sharing more insights with you in upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We welcome any feedback. Please let us know by going to www.agilemanagementoffice.com forward slash agile ideas. You can also find us on most social media channels by searching agile ideas or follow me on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening. Please share or rate this if you enjoyed it. I hope you've been able to learn, feel, think, or be inspired today. Until next time, what's your agile idea?